After these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Good Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, friendos. Welcome to another edition of After These Messages. This is the podcast where we talk about TV commercials. We talk about the good ones and the bad ones and the ones where people say weird shit like this. Ladies and gentlemen, we are cleared for pancakes. My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Has. We're your hosts. Hey, Vives. Hi, Andrew. Have you seen that commercial, by the way, that IHOP commercial? Yes, where I have. every word is replaced with pancake? It's two airline pilots in the cockpit and yeah. they're talking in pancake. Think how terrifying that would be if you were actually in the cabin and you started and they start start talking about random pancakes. You'd be like, oh no, the pilots are both having a stroke. <laughs> it would, I didn't I gotta admit, I didn't view it through that lens, which is why I'm glad that you're here. Uh, Would it be totally inappropriate for me just to play this? I thought it was really funny. So just picture classic two pilots in the cockpit. Camera is looking And were you picturing two white guys? Congratulations. (laughs) They are. Like white cast, like two, you got, you got mustache pilot and silver fox pilot. Yeah. Like the most, just like, there's no reason to make them white, except that that's what, you know, that's what people think of. Listen, I'm not saying. Sorry, I'm coming out hot today. Yeah, you are. I'm not saying that uh, it's that it's okay. You're right. They should diversify the people in these commercials because when you see people on TV, whether it's role models or whatever, that has an impact on what kinds of kids decide to pursue their dreams. And uh, I, I got to say though, I've never been on a flight that I've noticed. You don't always see the pilot. I've never seen um, a woman in the in the cockpit. It's of a plane rare. I have flying. occasionally. In, I've done a little more flying, and I've occasionally heard a woman pilot over the yeah, you know. And uh, again, I'm not saying like, oh, so the commercial's right. I think that that proves that our society kind of no, obviously women steers... can't be pilots, but black people can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll get off my social justice uh, platform here for a second and uh, play this IHOP commercial. Have you checked the pancake? Pancakes. And what about the pancake? Pancakes and pancakes and the pancakes. Yeah, we're pancakes, sir. Well, that sounds flipping pancakes to me. <laughs> yes, it does. Ladies and gentlemen, we are cleared for pancakes. They're three ninety nine, all you can eat for a limited time. Oh yeah, then at the very end, they show the plane landing in an IHOP parking lot. Except it is just so charmingly lo-fi. I love it's it. It's just a model of a generic airplane that, like, clearly somebody just pushed into a bunch of cars, like a, like a bunch of toy cars, cars yeah, and a, and a little model of the of an IHOP. I love it. See, even even your cold snowflakey heart came around on that commercial at the end. All right, sorry. I'm off to a bad start here. Let's get going. You produced the show today. You had a very interesting concept for it. Can you explain it? I can. Um, You know, every marketer, everyone who produces a a commercial um, has done market research. That's like the foundation of everything. That's how you know what to do. I mean, almost any product or company does market research. Um, and the usually that research usually you know shows up in the in the ad campaign or the marketing strategy, but it's usually kind of buried underneath like the jokes and the jingles and the cute puppy dogs and the the sad sad stories or whatever. Because you would there, there's nobody who's launched any ad campaign of any kind of um, value or heft. I mean, with the possible exception of very very small local stores that hasn't done market research. You don't just say, hey, make me a commercial that's going to make me laugh. The very first thing you do is you learn about your audience yeah. and the needs and So yeah, I mean, market research is just, it's this, the foundation of marketing. Um, but usually it's sort of like buried, like I said, but sometimes yeah. it pokes through um, like a chicken wire infrastructure under a cheaply made paper mache volcano. And when when that happens and you can really mm. spot like what was the question that they asked that created this campaign or that created this marketing pitch? I think that's always funny to me. Like it's just you really see the kind of like the wheels turning and you can see how like 
this this was our strategy and that always interests me. So I, I picked out some commercials that I've been noticing lately where I feel like your market research is showing. Uh, okay, sounds good. And we also have some commercials in the news. I know that you're going to tell us about um, how uh, Donald Trump is going to make America a better place by... Oh, for, through, through TV. Through, through TV commercials. Through the power of commercials. Yeah, so that's pretty good. And then, of course, we'll check in with you guys. You guys are the Ad Council and we'll hear what uh, you've been uh, posting to Facebook and whatnot. First, though, let's get into this uh, market research. Concerning your habits, the things you enjoy, the songs you prefer, your purchasing patterns. There's always a pattern. A little on the nose, huh? I honestly Googled market research song and then I heard this and I kind of love it. It is by uh, somebody who's described as a one man disco group. <laughs> the quote unquote group is San Seric. And the person behind it is Nat Rab. Yeah. I've never heard of this. I No one has. It's just, you know, just someone on YouTube. But I just thought it was so hilarious. Like, it was so on the nose. Well, I think I wouldn't say that's just someone on YouTube. Music. Like, I think, hey, first of all, the I've done my market research. And it turns out the audience loves when I play ch- uh, children's music. But um, also, I don't think that Sanseric is nobody because, you know, he had his own uh, Wikipedia page and everything. I think oh, all right. Actual artist. Uh, all right. What is the first commercial that will illustrate? What did you say? The wire? poking out from under your paper mache volcano right yeah so what's the, the first? perfect metaphor no, it, it, i mean you have a gift and i came up with it on the spot and i did not think about it at all today while i was at work no, no clearly not and it's not written out literally on the script in Absolutely front of me right not. now <laughs> i just right off the top now i like the way now go head. back okay now that everybody knows and by the way, you brought you brought. I introduced this, this in evidence. Thanks. Uh, now I want everybody to just hit the rewind button on your podcast <laughs> about about thirty seconds, forty five seconds, and listen to Genevieve stumble as if she's coming up with that on the fly. Even though I saw you wrote it in your crib notes. Acting. <laughs> Are you mad at me right now? No, I I, I open the door. Okay. Um, this actually, this first ad I want to talk about is kind of the the one that kicked off this idea for me because I can, it's one where I can really feel like what they're addressing in the ad with a mm-hmm. problem that they're addressing that clearly has shown up in their market research. Let me be clear. I don't necessarily think all of these ads are bad or that it's, it's a terrible thing. If you can see the market research, I just think it's kind of funny when you can really see how the, the strategy came together, but it's not really a reflection good or bad of the the quality of the ad. So this is an ad for overstock.com. Do you want to play it and then I can guess what the market research was? <laughs> yeah, I mean it should, it'll probably be pretty pretty obvious, but why don't you play it? It's um it starts with a guy at an airport check-in counter checking in for his flight and the, he's having this interaction with the with the woman who's, you know, giving him his ticket or whatever. Next. Is your name really Oscar La Vista? <laughs> Oscar La Vista, baby! <laughs> Getting judged on your name is tough. At Overstock.com, our name makes people think we sell overstocked goods. But it's actually everything you see here. Overstock has beautiful new furniture and the latest in home trends, all at overstock prices. So check us out and judge for yourself. That's pretty clear. So. They're concerned that their burgers are getting confused with McDonald's burgers. So market research said that they had to carve out their own their own path to so, stand out a little bit. So close. Yeah. So close. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess if you had asked and I use Overstock, it's uh, kind of like I'm I'm a cheap furniture buyer because I have two cats. Um, so I yeah. buy a lot of like furniture that looks good for the first year and then immediately falls apart. We're what you call a landfill family. Yes, we are single-handedly um, really stocking a landfill. We were overstocking the <laughs> landfills. Um, so like I go to Wayfair, I go to Overstock, you know, I go to a lot of those kind of places that make this sort of like trendy looking furniture that isn't that high quality. Um, but if you had asked me why they're called Overstock, I guess I would have said... Maybe that's, you know, maybe it is just like stuff that other, you know, other manufacturers and brands 
couldn't sell and like offloaded to this sort of like secondary market. But I guess that's not the deal anymore. Yeah. But that's where this, that's where, or, this, or why was it ever? It must've been originally, I'm actually on their website right now. I'm, I'm at the history section of their website. Cause I'd like to get to the bottom of this and I actually haven't read this yet, but that's where this commercial, um, kind of irritates me. Cause I, I think the joke is good. I think you're right. Addressing a very specific issue is good. They're straightforward about it, but I, I feel like they have to explain why they're called overstock.com then. Or even just as simply, we're not just for overstocked things anymore. We have a whole array. Just something that acknowledges that you've changed. Because otherwise, yeah, you named your... Nobody, like a court didn't say you have to be called overstocked.com. And and it says right here, like they did in in 1999, they were created um, as a way of liquidating excess inventory through the internet. Through the internet. Uh, but now they probably just like are like any other online retailer. They just buy stuff and right. resell it. Yeah. So it says the the numbers of products that they offer has grown from less than a hundred back in 1999 to more than sixty three thousand um, now. Uh, oh, and that's oh, oh, I see way more than that actually. When I, what is a BMMG product? I'm in over my head here. Books, <laughs> Books music, music movies, movies, and interactive games. So they have over uh, sixty three thousand of those, and then. Uh, over 720,000 BMMG products. Anyway, uh, okay, good. Glad I cleared that up for everybody. Um, yeah, so th- I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good one. Um, so there's another one here, if you'll go back to the show sheet. Um, this is for Credit Karma. And if you have turned on a television in the last five years or so, uh, you have been inundated with commercials for all of the more than five years. Actually, you've been inundated with commercials for checking your credit score for free. And there are different. Some of them really are free and are nonprofit. Some of them are uh, not free, really, like you end up having to give your credit card number. Uh, I don't know what Credit Karma's actual deal is. I don't know if it's like somewhere you should really check your score for free or if you really sort of get suckered in. I know my bank provides my credit score to me. And he, just the other day, didn't you say to me like, because I, I was saying I checked my credit score through my bank account because we were because we were moving, yeah. And so when you're moving you into a place, me? the landlord has to kind of do a credit check on you. And I said, and I think maybe you said, oh yeah, I checked it. I'm in good shape. And didn't I say, oh yeah, you can't, you shouldn't check it too much, right? That's the. I wasn't sure if it was an old wives' tale or if the system just changed. But back in the day, it was my understanding that every time you check, every time you do a credit check on yourself then it lowers your credit score. Right. It's, it's a ding. It somehow registers as a negative on, a, on your actual credit score. So why don't you play this Credit Karma commercial? All right. So you got a, a guy, presumably the husband. He's in the kitchen. He's cooking a, a flapjack in a pan. Um, and then his wife is sitting on the couch in the other room. And she tells him that, he's, uh, that she's about to check their credit score. They're, they're and, about to go either look at an apartment or a new house. And then he kind of freaks out and things go slow-mo. Sad about the open house today? Just got to check my credit at Credit Karma first. It's free. He's, he's thrown his uh, pancake up in the air. He's fallen to his knees. Oh, checking will lower your score. We'll never get out of here. Actually, checking your credit score with Credit Karma never lowers it at all. Really? Yep. Maybe I should check my credit. Oh. Credit card. He's got he's got uh, seven twenty. By the way, how is that? Pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, they're never going to show a bad credit. It's like uh, advertising your uh, palm reading company and then saying we're so accurate, we're going to tell you exactly when you're going to die. I've definitely seen credit score commercials, credit you know credit check uh, products that have advertised um, a, a what's the th- what's the thing from highlights? Who's the the good? The good kid oh, and the goofus bad kid. And gallant. Goofus and Gallant. Thank you. There's a sort of a Goofus and, and actually that would be a whole, we could do a whole show on Goofus and Gallants. Mm. Um, but there's a kind of Goofus and Gallant approach where the on top of it person is like, I'm checking my credit score for free. And the other person's like, why would you do that? And then the good, the, the Gallant says, well, you know, you don't want to live with your parents forever or don't you ever want to be able to afford a new car or whatever, 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 you know, reason mm-hmm. you would need to have your, know your credit score. Um, so yeah, clearly Credit Karma was hearing from a lot of people like I'm not going to use your product because I've heard that lower like checking my credit score lowers my credit score. And I don't know like you, I don't know if that was 
a myth, if it was true at one time. We were trying to discuss, we were discussing the other day and trying to figure out like, is there a, a logical reason why checking your credit score would have ever been a negative thing? And I do wonder if before there were so many consumer products and banks services that would show you your credit score so easily, if the only people who were looking at their credit scores on the reg were people who had problems. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a correlative, like, oh, if someone's checking their credit, they probably have something to be afraid of. I mean, that seems a little bonkers to me because it could be the opposite. You could have a person like me who like obsessively checks on like my you know investments and my retirement money and things like that like that's just a sort of compulsive behavior that i have that is about financial security it has nothing to do with it's my credit's actually very good it's a disease <laughs> people should respect that um so yeah so clearly credit karma is reacting to uh, some some research that they've done there by the way i just going to mention it very quickly because you and i already had the conversation uh before the show but i watched that commercial it's been it's on tv like crazy and i've seen it a million times and there's something weird about the uh perspective on the pancake when he throws it up in the air i honestly i watched it a million times and i thought that the pancake was shrinking i thought it was like a joke within a joke and it turns out it's just like kind of the the way the pancake is sort of i guess animated or shot or whatever but i i watched it a bunch today and now finally my gestalt kicked in and yeah. i realized the pancake is not shrinking it's yeah. merely a matter of perspective because that to did be not clear, make sense to, to me. be clear ad council when you watch this commercial, you're not going to know what Andrew's talking about. I think you will. Okay. I think you will. Um, here's another one. And this is for Gold Bond Radiance Renewal. Gold Bond, best known for the Gold Bond powder, also oh, makes lotions. And okay. they tend to make lotions. I've bought them sometimes for like, it'll be like extreme cracked hands or whatever. Like if, you know, if it's like if you have really bad winter dry skin. Now, this is a product that's targeting or at least in this campaign that's actively targeting African-American women. And I've seen this ad a lot and I didn't really register with me that it was all uh, women of color in the ad. Uh, just the, the premise just made me laugh. Why don't you play it? What is your lotion wish? I want coconut oil, cocoa butter, shea butter. And no more reapplying. We listened. New Gold Bond Radiance Renewal gently exfoliates. Then our triple blend of moisturizers helps prevent dry skin all day. New Gold Bond Radiance Renewal. So when I first saw that ad, the idea that I, anyone would have a lotion wish was hilarious <laughs> to me. And I would say, I would yell at the TV, I don't have a lotion wish. Well, let me think, what's my lotion wish? Which I now... You only get three only get, lotion wishes. Yeah, but they all come back to haunt you in horrible ways. <laughs> my first lotion wish is, I want a million more lotion wishes. Exactly. Um, but then I thought about it. Actually, I read a little bit about it. And I feel a little bad for being so dismissive of it because I do think African-American women have different uh, skincare needs than maybe I do. And they may not be served by the current market. So I kind of appreciated a little bit more in the context of maybe they are hearing from a population of, of African-American women saying like, you know, I wish that like there was skincare mm. that catered to, to me. And there's a longer version of that where they really start interviewing those three women who are uh, who have their who express their lotion wish Um and they talk about what their skin means to them and particularly like being uh, like having very dark skin and like what, you know, the sort of their beauty routines and all that stuff. So I just thought I was a little dismissive of it. I still think it's clear that the market research is showing, but I think it t- shows an interesting thing that they're doing, which is they're specifically doing market research with African-American women. I was reading about this ad in, I don't know if it was Ad Age or Ad Week a while back. Do you know one cool thing about every single woman in that ad? No, what? Every single one. Airline pilot. (laughs) Thank you. I'll be here all week. All right. um, What else do you have? Um, One more. Uh, This is actually, there, there are two here. This is for Listerine. And I remember this first one from a long time ago because if you've ever used Listerine, um, it is a challenging product to embrace. I remember when I was a kid, like I've used Listerine for so long now. Do you use it still? Actually, the one that I have have right now is Act, but I used to have a bottle that I, because I don't use mouthwash all that often. So when I have a bottle, it follows me around since we move so often. Uh, But yeah, the bottle of mouthwash I had before this one was Listerine, but it wasn't the yellow Listerine of yesteryear. It was a blue Listerine. It really looks like... 
The yellow, the yellow stuff honestly looks like a cleaning product. It really does. And I remember, I mean, this ad that you pulled and not here for your mouth reminded me of it because um, I forgot like Listerine was kind of like the Verners of mouthwash when right. I was a kid. Like, why would adults use this stuff? There's better ginger ale out there. Now I really <laughs> like, I like Verners. Now I actually did some research today um, thinking that Verners might be a good case in point for this market research. Uh-huh. Like, um, and I will say that they have an interesting ad campaign. They have to point out that they're a unique flavor, but I didn't feel like it really fit your thesis. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I kind of forgot that, like, you know, Grandpa Walsh, my grandpa had, just to be clear, um, my grandpa had, like, the yellow Listerine in his bathroom. And we're always like, oh, don't touch that. Like, get yeah. us the good, get us the scope. Such an old man product. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, which, by the way, really quick thing. Back to the gold bond. I'm sorry, just speaking of my reaction to it. When I was growing up, I always thought like gold bond is jock itch. Yeah, right? the powder, right. Yeah, so like for me, I thought that maybe the market research was going to be like, we need to like kind of get away from this idea that when you think of gold bond, you think of jock itch. Maybe there is a campaign like that. This is just the a more, this is whatever they're, where they're currently yeah. at. Anyway, let's get to the um, jock itch of your mouth. This is a Listerine commercial. <laughs> Good Lord. I'll beep it. I just beep that? Please. Um, Can you beep it from my memory? (laughs) So this is an ad from 2004, right? Yes. Uh, And what you're seeing is a split screen uh, with a guy, um, like sort of a young white guy, doing the, you know, gargling with the stuff with his mouth closed. And he's clearly like sort of wincing because it's so strong and, Mm -hmm. and astringent. Come on, you can do it. Just 30 seconds of Listerine. Think of all the germs you're killing. Listerine even kills the germs that can cause black and gingivitis. See, you can handle it. Germs can't. <laughs> Listerine, worth the time, every time. And notice that's actually the and cool now- the, the, the cool green Listerine that yes. I use. By the way, the split screen, it doesn't really play too much into it. On the other side of the screen, it's just kind of showing kind of dynamic text of what yeah, the you're just seeing the You're seeing the blue Listerine uh, with the text of basically what you're hearing. Right. So, um, but yeah, like definitely see the blue stuff tastes better, but they're not even saying this tastes better. They're just saying you can handle it. Even the blue stuff was strong. I mean, yeah. I think they're, the blue stuff was competing more directly with scope. And of course, scope is basically like mint flavored soda. I mean, I think is it had scope a, not good for you. Well, I think it had, a, I, I, I don't think it was especially, I don't think it was bad for you. Like I don't think it had sugar in it, mm-hmm. but it was what I, from what I, always heard from dentists and people who knew about teeth care is that scope was just sort of like for fresh breath. Like it's basically gum. Okay. Gotcha. Um, doesn't really do a lot medically for you or for mm. your, your actual dental health. Well, I really like this one. Just, I don't know if I remember it, um, from 2004, but I like it. Like you can see, you can handle it. Oh, it's hey, like, do you want to know what HQ question I went out on today? It's related to dental care. Oh, yeah. HQ being the, uh, uh, I guess it's like what, the, the quiz it's game? Like the online quiz game. Yeah. Everyone knows what it is. There's millions of us. Okay. Um, the question was, every dentist is what? An orthodontist, a dental surgeon, or a private practitioner? So say that again. Every single dentist is either, is also either A, an orthodontist, B, a dental surgeon, or C, a private practitioner. Dental surgeon. Yeah, it was. That was right. I got it wrong. Do you want? So you know, our friend Bean is obsessed with um, HQ, and he was telling me about it on TBTL not too long ago. Meanwhile, I didn't know that you had been playing it, so I texted him the other night and told him um, that you were playing it, and he wrote, you guys should play together, each on a phone. Then when you get to a question neither of you knows... You split you the have, answer. Yeah, you have two out of three chances of guessing right, and one of you can move forward. Yeah. Did you already know that? Is that how people yeah, are doing this? Yeah, that's how people are doing it. Huh. Interesting. Um, all right, so back to the show. Um, so the Listerine... What are we doing so, here? So clearly the Listerine ad was responding to... This was from 2004... Um, was responding to market research or, you know, surveys showing that people find it difficult and sort of daunting to, uh, you know, go through the whole routine, sure. right? That's now like 14 years in the past. They don't do that anymore. They don't sort of apologize for the, the difficulty of using their product. Mm-hmm. Instead, they do this. Moms know their family's mouths often need a helping hand. 
After brushing, Listerine Total Care helps prevent cavities. And so all throughout this ad, mom has written on like the bathroom mirror, like little notes, like it strengthens teeth, it restores enamel, and the family's seeing it as they're in the bathroom. And then in response, someone from her family, from mom's family, has written on the back of her car in the dust on her SUV, thanks mom. Right. So uh, honestly, I watched this one today and I wasn't exactly, I guess I was geared up based on the first Listerine ad for this to be kind of a... Uh, continuation of that campaign. It's clearly not. So w- let me in earnestness kind of guess what you think the market research is here with the uh, the, the chicken wire underneath the volcano. Um, the I poorly guess... made volcano. <laughs> Paper mache Wait, volcano. I lost the script. Um, I guess it's that just like the, the family isn't going to do it unless mom tells you to. Like, yeah, that's that it? it. I mean, clearly Listerine has uh, some hurdles to overcome. They're not going to ever be an enjoyable product. It's got to be something that you do out of a sense of duty or obligation. Telling people uh, to just tough it out apparently isn't the way they're going anymore. So what did their market research obviously tell them? Who makes the decisions about tooth care in the family? It's the mom. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You can, I mean, I feel like you can, you can see the survey results in their hands from this one. I guess the only reason that that was a little bit lost on me was we're just so used to all of these commercials. I mean, we've, we've hit it on a million different themes from, uh, you know, mommy wives to baby dads or whatever that one was, <laughs> but just like the nothing gets done unless the, yeah. you know, from kids eating their vegetables to cleaning. I to, think that's often the subtext of an ad, but this one was so blatant. I mean, literally mom has to write her adult husband yeah. a note to take care of his GDT. <laughs> Can you imagine like, okay, we do argue about toothpaste sometimes, but that's more of like, we don't like a argue power about it. No, no, that's not Hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. We don't argue about it. I think we've actually had this conversation maybe even on this show. It, it was never a point of contention with me at all. One day I just said, okay, because I've always bought my toothpaste, which is very like mainstream kind of, I think I'm a Colgate guy or something. Not anymore. And then you always bought something called like Dentafreeze or something? Something that had more of a clinical name to it. Denta something. It's, well, um, Sensodyne. Sensodyne. Exactly. That's what I said. It's for sensitive teeth. Um, and then, and we just always, we never discussed it. We just had two different tubes of toothpaste. And then, I don't know, a year ago, I ran out of mine and I used yours. And I think I just casually said to you, yeah, I don't think I'm going to buy it. I'll just use yours now. And you were like, yes, victory I won. is mine. Victory is mine. You did like a victory dance. I was like, what, were we competing? Yes. Was it bothering you that I had another tube no, of toothpaste? I, I never thought about it. But now you're because, uh, what is it? Quip. Quip is a sponsor of your other show. Now there's like a whole, now there is a competing Now we do have two. Now that I'm yeah. back to two. There's because, not only a comparing, competing toothpaste, but a competing electric toothbrush. Yeah, that's right. Now, um, everybody, go to quip.com slash TBTL. <laughs> They'll take care of you. I, quip, send us some money. I wanted, to, um, I wanted to make it seem like I worked on this show, too. So I found one example that I thought was kind of funny or, or interesting, uh, which is very meta. What happens when the world's biggest marketing firm, who helps all these other companies figure out what their kind of marketing hurdles is, what happens when they have their own marketing hurdle that they found out about through their own fucking market research? It's crazy. I'm talking about Nielsen. What do you think of when I say Nielsen? The TV ratings. Nielsen TV ratings. Yeah. What do they do? They do the TV ratings. Yes. Well, also... By the way, they also do radio ratings now. They bought out Arbitron. That's oh, okay. just a small thing that I just happen to know. Um, it makes sense. I mean, they're basically, it was like the Nielsen of TV yeah, radio. Yeah, of radio. But for years and years and years and years, Nielsen did TV ratings, Arbitron did radio. Anyway, it's all Nielsen now. But Nielsen does way more than TV ratings. I'm going to read to you from this article uh, on Ad Age. It says, it became really clear to us that the external perception of the company didn't match what we knew to, what we knew to be true, said Chief Communications Officer Laura Nelson. Nelson works for Nielsen. Weird. Often that perception was that we were the TV ratings company. Or How often do you think she gets called Nielsen in meetings? Probably a lot. 
Uh, or in India, this is this is interesting. So here in the States, we think, oh, Nielsen, the TV people. In India, their primary focus is on survey research. So they want to just kind of like let everybody know that they are they do all kinds of market research. Um, people's perceptions of Nielsen were in some cases decades old, she said. Some people on the media side of the industry have no idea the company's immense role in measuring and analyzing packaged goods or other retail sales. Uh, and the company is also a major player in online audience measurement, which I think most people would kind of assume that, like if Nielsen is not adjusting to the digital age, they'd be... Yeah, I would have, have assumed, problems. but I also would not have been able to... Like I could tell you like about... I don't know if they still do this, but I mean, they had set-top boxes that people would like have in their houses. I mean, the dream was to be a Nielsen family so you could dictate what everybody watched on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to hear the commercial that yes. they came up with, with their own... So again... Nielsen, by far the world's largest market research company, does market research on themselves, realize that they have a bit of an image problem, wants to show off all their different facets, and so they came up with this commercial. What's next is always being put in front of us. By the way, I don't even have to really tell you what the images are. It's almost like one of those Viridian things. It's a bunch of kind of... I know it's not stock footage, but it's just like a bunch of typical footage of people in fast-paced environments yeah. or uh or competitive situations exactly. there's like a little girl who's like about to start do do karate i yeah. guess next time you can either run from what's next or you can become what's next man you're next you can create the next video that will set the internet on fire you can invent the next product that will change the world you can redefine your industry or create a new one but to pull that off, you gotta understand people, real people, in the real world. Coming up next. So you're gonna need real data. Data you can use. Data you can trust. Data backed by real science. When you have that kind of data, you'll not only see what's next, you'll get there first. So, the next time the world asks what's next, you have the answer. I think that is an insanely boring commercial. It's, I mean, it's not interesting. It's nothing, there's nothing um, sort of revelatory about what they've done there, but clearly they're, it's solving for a problem. Mm -hmm. um, I do wonder, like, I wonder what, where they show this. Is this the kind of thing that, like, they air during, like, I don't know, whatever, like, business moguls watch? I don't right. Know. You know, I, you see a lot of business to business ads in uh, during football games. Yeah, football, because that's such a universal. I, I know that like the most business to business ads I ever watched was when uh, I would watch Sunday morning with my parents growing up. Oh, yeah, they are right. huge Sunday morning CBS watchers. Sunday morning. CBS Sunday morning. Um, and based on the commercials, the only people who are watching it besides my parents are CEOs. Yeah. <laughs> besides your parents. <laughs> kind of rude um they know they're not ceos when i went i know um but it just seemed like you're picking on them um i don't know why you gotta pick on them so much faves um i when i went on my verner's uh sojourn earlier today <laughs> i did not find a commercial that i really thought was a good example of your theme but i did find a commercial that i absolutely loved <laughs> can i play it for you sure. it's clearly from either the late 80s or maybe early 90s and it stars none other than Ted Nugent, who apparently just got off stage and is now barging into his um, into, you know, his green room. And there's a chef back there and he's preparing all kinds of nice food. And then Ted Nugent is going to come in and he's going to start listing all the stuff he sees until at the end he gets a little aggro with the chef. Ooh, I love it. Shrimp, we got the caviar, we got our sushi, we got our steak tartare. Sculpture of ice looks real nice. But hey, Pierre, where's the good stuff? Oh, yeah. He points to a, a cooler that's all chained up. Sort of. Now I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, I see that. Ted Nugent is as good of an actor as he is a human being. I actually thought he did okay in this when he, like, kind of grabs. So, what he does is he, um, 
At one point, he's staring at the ice sculpture, but the chef, Pierre, is uh, behind him. And he kind of reaches back and grabs the chef's, you know, shirt by the chest. And he doesn't look at him. I actually thought for acting, not the worst commercial acting I've seen for somebody who's like kind of a fish out of water. I guess so. It's there are certainly better like celebrity, like non-actor celebrities who who could do commercials. Werner's has all kinds. I, I won't play them all now because this is not the theme, but um, Werner's actually does have a lot of interesting campaigns, and I think that uh, maybe at some point we can revisit them. Do you want to visit some commercials in the news? Let's do it. Commercials in the That's the first time I've ever said commercials in the news without like doing the own fake echo on my own voice. Oh, well, I, a listener, let us know how you liked it. Um, commercials made it into the news this week. Uh, this was a pretty big story, so uh, you may have seen it. Uh, Trump was in New Hampshire, which is uh, hard hit by the opioid crisis. Oh, he's already done that trip. I knew he was going to New Hampshire. Yeah, he made, the, he, this, he made this news in New Hampshire. He was in Manchester, uh, uh, Manchester, Vegas, uh, Manhattan. Biggest city in the state. Biggest city in the state. Still not that big, and it's not the capital. Uh, That's no. why they call it the Queen City. Yes. Queen City is a city that is the biggest city in the state that is not the capital. That's right. Uh, so he was in New Hampshire. He was bloviating about all the things that they're going to do to solve the opioid crisis. And this was his big idea. And why don't you just let him speak for himself? The best way to beat the drug crisis is to keep people from getting hooked on drugs to begin with. As part of that effort, so important, and I, this has been something that I've been very strongly in favor of, spending a lot of money on great commercials showing how bad it is, so that kids seeing those commercials during the right shows on television or freak? wherever, the internet... Probably the president. I mean, I thought he was like high on reds late at night, and that's why he's tweeting tweet storms at three in the morning. But maybe that's just slander. Dr. Brett Spiner will never tell us. <laughs> these commercials say, I, I don't want any part of it. That's the least expensive thing we can do where you scare them from ending up like the people in the commercials and we'll make them very, very Bad commercials would make them pretty unsavory <laughs> situation. Fucking amazing! It's amazing. I mean, listen, I'm you, not going to say I'm a better speaker than him because I don't think I am. I but assure I'm you that not you are. the president. The only whenever he can't think of a word, he either says bad or the best. Yeah, seen it before, and it's had an impact on smoking and cigarettes. You see what happens to the body. You see what happens to the mind. So we're announcing a new website, Crisis Next Door. Dot gov, where Americans can share their stories about the danger of the opioid addiction and addictions. But we're thinking about doing really a large-scale rollout of commercials that show how bad it is for the kids. Uh, did you want me to play it all the way to the end, or do we have the gist of it? You got the gist of okay. it. Okay. Um, he, he just sort of like... Trails off after. So, do we have a sense, and I assume this is where you're going with it, the effectiveness of anti drug commercials or anti smoking, anti drinking? Yes, as you may be completely unshocked to hear, a lot of those uh, war on drugs uh, commercials from the 80s, the I learned it from watching yous, the This is your brain on drugs, did not work. And by by some research, uh, according to some research, actually were either completely ineffective or actually counterproductive. Uh, NPR actually did a story about this before this story broke, although I'm sure they'll be revisit people will be revisiting the issue. Um, they interviewed a guy named Keith Humphreys, and he is a, a Stanford professor, psychology professor, and he is was also the uh, like drug ad- policy advisor under both uh, George W. Bush and uh, President Obama. Uh, and so here's what he has to say. A lot of the research shows that the general conclusion is that these ads either had, this is talking about the 80s and the 90s, these ads either had no effect or in some cases maybe even a perverse effect uh, that some of the kids who saw the ads actually said they were more likely to try marijuana rather what? than less. Um, what do they attribute that to? Are they making it look too cool? This is, the, they asked him that and he said, you know, part of the problem was uh, that like they would, they would, he talked about this. Do you remember this ad where, it was sort of a, a sequel to the this is your brain on drugs of an egg frying. They said, this is your brain on drugs. And they took a frying pan and just like whacked yeah. the hell out of a kitchen, right? Yeah, yeah. This is your family on drugs. This is your job on drugs and blah, blah, blah. And then like it just, they wrecked a kitchen with a frying pan. 
Um, so this is what he said. Uh, that ad where someone smashed an egg and smashed up a whole kitchen with a frying pan was being shown to a bunch of members of Congress. And they all jumped up and clapped. But America's youth thought it was ridiculous. And the problem that the ads was that, was that they were trying to please a congressional audience, a 60-year-old white man or woman in a suit. That's not what's going to resonate with kids. Uh, in fact, for the kind of kids who are a bit rebellious, it was a signal that, hey, if you really want to irritate your elders, this is the way to do it. Huh. That's um, interesting. And then he go, Keith Humphreys goes on to talk about like uh, campaigns that have worked a little bit better. And he says the biggest thing is not so much that you need campaigns saying drugs are bad. Drugs are, and I love this thing, he says, um, it's a competition out there and drugs produce in the short term rewards. In the long term, they're destructive, but in the short term, it's a re- it, it does have a reward. And to pretend that drugs don't in some way have a pleasure, to pretend that they're all just that it's gross and evil and and dirty and horrible from the get-go is so counterproductive. If they were like that, if we could acknowledge that drugs have a pleasure, even the worst ones, we would be a lot closer to dealing with like why people actually do it. He said, what you want to do is have other things for kids to do, community events, religious events, things for them to engage in that provide some of those same reward, that hit some of those same rewards in different ways, but in non-destructive ways. Mm. I was going to say, it sounds like your campaign would be like, drugs, they're fun, but don't do too many of them. Well, look, we all, a lot of us do drugs, right? Alcohol is a drug. Caffeine is a drug. Caffeine is a drug. <laughs> I mean, but caffeine is a drug. Right. Like, I get a headache by three o'clock if I don't have a cup of coffee. Right. Now, you know, of course, caffeine is not a destructive drug in the way that meth is or, you know... uh What's the worst one now? Fentanyl. That's the thing that's killing everybody. Um, But anyone, you know, like the people who should be sending this message are not the Jeff Sessions of the world who think that a puff on a marijuana cigarette is like going to send you straight to the devil. I mean, like and listen to Trump. I mean, he clearly has not a fucking clue what's going to these these bad commercials. Now, I know I understand they're not going to put him in charge of making the commercials, although anything is literally anything is possible now but this is the dumbest possible idea and it's also as he correctly notes the cheapest right i mean i don't know if it's the dumbest possible idea it's just the dumbest possible thing to lead the charge yeah like you you do need messaging you need commercials you have the literal ad council so that you can get messages out there i mean psa's have long been a part of all kinds of you know public social good programs but to say that this is the main thing we're going to do is absolutely another point that humphreys makes in this npr piece is it's one thing to say to a kid don't buy drugs from a drug dealer but most people who get hooked on opioids get them from their doctor yeah so the is the message in these really bad commercials uh, don't take what your doctor gives yeah, the, you. Uh, the commercials for the, the opioid cri- crisis doesn't make sense. I will say as a kind of a now an ex-smoker, a recently an ex-smoker, that the thing, the commercials that got to me, really the only commercials that got to me were the commercials that depicted just pretty horrible health effects of smoking mm-hmm. like the, the, the bless, commercials the, where people are talking about like how to stomas. yeah exactly how to survive with your stoma don't get it wet in the shower and you see the people you know the stoma has the, they have the hole in their throat and they're talking through the voice box and they're trying not to get water into their throat as they take a shower that was effective on me um the idea of putting disgusting looking lungs on packs of cigarettes i didn't want to see that and i'm glad that I was glad that we didn't have to face that as Americans when buying cigarettes, but that shit got to me. But so now you would argue that, that shit, they should be on there, right? Yeah, but I will still say the problem is the problem is youth. I agree, and whatever you're selling, I'm buying. They're scary. They're scary. They're they, loud. They sometimes they look right at me. Sometimes this, they look right at you. Sometimes they look through me. Yeah. No. Like they're the, gonna bite the problem you. isn't the youths. The problem is youth. Yeah. When I started smoking, I was oh, like your brain's 15 not or whatever. Your brain's not formed, but you also just feel invincible. And I remember being a kid and saying, I know I'm not invincible. Adults always say that. But you just the idea of long term yeah. consequences of anything just do not stick at least for my generation which was very much like a a gen x kind of like oh whatever fuck it man kind of attitude i do think that the younger generations who've come 
after us. Not that they don't have their own issues, but I do think that they are just more responsible and probably better informed and have less of a knee-jerk reaction to, shut up, old man, I'm going to smoke. Well, like- one of the things that um, this Humphreys guy says that was effective as a camp- as a commercial campaign against smoking was telling kids the man wants you to smoke. Mm. It's authority that wants you to smoke. You're sticking it to the man by saying no more. And that's what a lot of those... Um, truth campaign. Truth campaign yeah. and both be the generation that ends smoking yeah. has been about. And I think that has proven effective. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really cool. Anyway, suck it, Trump. In, in <laughs> summation. <laughs> Is that what we were talking about? Always. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the, of my mind. the deeper we get into the show, the more it's uncharted territory for me. I haven't, <laughs> even, haven't even looked at these. What do we got? Well, this first one is actually kind of a, a nice segue from our market research discussion to our ad council. Uh, this is from listener Rachel, who posted this on our Facebook page. And she writes, this is about a, for a Totino's uh, pizza roll commercial. And she writes, you know, sometimes a commercial just gets you. Um, and this is of, uh, it's very brief. It's called She's Home. Uh, a woman walks through the door of her house. The couch, you'll hear somebody say, she's home. It's the couch cushions talking to her. Her, her husband or boyfriend is just sitting on the couch, zoned out playing video games. And she, you'll hear a ripping sound. She's home! The microwave, like, walks out of the kitchen. She rips off her clothes to reveal that she's wearing her pajamas and tonight pants underneath. <laughs> she like rips off like like a stripper's rip away clothes. Right. Only she's taking off her like kind of nicer office clothes and underneath she's just totally schlubby. Not even like cute pajamas. Yeah, no, they really do a good job of like this is what people are at home and the microwave climbs up on the coffee table, opens and spills out pizza rolls and she eats. I love this commercial. I felt like we had talked about it in the show. We must have just talked about it in our own living room when we were dressed like yeah, this I or something. Right. But I, I think it's absolutely genius. It I love it too. It really taps into, like this is the type of commercial that I wonder if it would like kind of tick off my dad because right. it's just like, it's just embracing. The couch lock. Sl- couch lock and uh, slovenliness. Well, sort of like slothfulness. Slothfulness anyway. is maybe the word I was looking for. Um, but, I, but clearly, Totino's, I don't think they needed to necessarily do a survey to figure out how people like to enjoy Totino's. But they're they're pitching this at an idea, right? Like, you get home, you want to sit down and zone out to video games or TV or Netflix or whatever, and you want to eat a, a microwave full... Yeah amount of Totino's pizza rolls because it doesn't just come out in like one boxes where no, the microwave pops open and it's like spilling out it's like the blood coming out of the <laughs> elevator in the shining now uh my question for you is so i love the talking furniture and the animated microwave which is it's not even animated it's just a microwave that they use stop motion to make it seem like it's it's running up to her like a dog um but do you? Th- it, it reminds me if very ever much. If you read a dog that can warm up Totino's pizza rolls, yeah. I will get that. Dog. It depends on how they deliver the warmed up rolls to you, um, because I know a dog can warm up Totino's <laughs> pizza rolls. I'll say that much. Um, but what I was going to say was. The vibe of the couches talking in this reminds you, for our older listeners like me, of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. It's got a Pee Wee's Playhouse vibe, which is Cherry. a little bit surreal. Um, do you think there's also just a little bit of a nod to the stoners in here by yes. kind of the presentation? It's not yeah. just the the businesswoman who came home from work, but it's also just kind of like the you have couch lock, like you say. Yeah, no, the boyfriend appears to already be stoned. <laughs> right. And I think it's probably how, not far it's behind. Like the, it's, it's not quite as obvious as the Jack in the Box commercials where they essentially <laughs> like show someone like you know lighting a doobie right almost right or it's almost like the well they don't show smoke in the room practically but there was that commercial for throat lozenges that's right right? that's pretty funny yeah okay what else do we have um all right this one's from listener bill and boy i went down on a a rabbit hole on this one um this is for a commercial a commercial for the nissan x-trail bonavista or bonavista uh edition you know how like fancy or you know like car companies will do mm-hmm. like the the whatever edition of their existing car and it'll mm-hmm. have like little touches or whatever bonavista is a uh, a town in newfoundland canada um i don't know very much about 
new fees. And I don't even know if that's a pejorative term. Hmm. Um, but I know they're sort of like the hicks of, of Canada. Oh, now is Bill who sent this in? Is he a newfer? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, Bill's from Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Now that okay. I say that. So he he's Canadian, but he's not Newfoundland. Okay. Newfoundlander. Um, but Bill had, uh, Bill had said, uh, any confusion about Canada is only further reinforced by this regionally branded Nissan SUV ad. And can I just say, you're not making fun of Bill. He he wrote He wrote that. a boot, yeah. He wrote a he boot. He wrote it. Um, so what you're going to hear is going to sound like it's in a foreign language, because uh, it almost is. And it's, sub- <laughs> and it's subtitled. But what you're hearing is a Nissan sales guy talking to a potential customer about this uh, X-Trail Bonavista. How's she getting on me, son? She was born and bred back home, eh? She's called a Nissan X-Trail Bonavista. Take a gander at that handroof, buddy. If that don't put a gust in your spinnaker, I don't know what would. And look at the wheels on her. She got enough alloy in there to fill a bucket. She got the climb control on the inside in case you got the mother along with you. If you got a hot and you got a washer on, you got the washable floorboard in the back. Like me mother always said, she said, you got a single line, you can add two hooks. I'll take it. <laughs> Get your knees <laughs> And then at the end, so the, the whole time, the guy who doesn't speak with the accent is just kind of like looking at him somewhat curiously, following. And then when he says, I'll take it without the thick accent, it uh, has a subtitle. In Newfoundland. That, Newfoundland. Yeah, it translates it. So I thought that was great. I had never really heard, not being a Canadian, I had never really heard. Um, and by the way, if, if calling in the Hicks of Canada was rude, um, you're welcome, I guess. Uh, no, that's. Are you I, worried about insulting Hicks or or Canadians? Canadians or both? I guess both. Yeah. Um. Pretty classist. Yeah. Uh. No, that's. I. I. Nothing against Newfoundlanders. Newfoundlanders. I don't know anything about them really. Um. I had never really heard that accent. Um. You can. I've now listened to that ad three or four times, and I can sort of catch what he's saying. It's a lot of things like, if that don't put a gust in your spinnaker, which I think is a kind of sale. Mm. Um. You know, I don't know what will, uh, like, if you got room for your mother-in-law in the back is one thing he said. And here's how the, here's how the subtitles actually translate. I'll actually play it again and try to keep up here. Hi, inspired by a beautiful Newfoundland, it's the Nissan X-Trail. The Pana roof is cool. It's cool. 17-inch alloy wheels. Exceptional. Heated seats. Washable cargo area. You got a single line, you can add two hooks. It's pretty versatile. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and then it, when he says, I'll take it, it's translated to Lord Tundurin. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm going to start saying it. So anyway, thank you so much, Bill, uh, for sending that. I had not seen it. I don't know where it ran, if it if it was like, ran, it may have run broadly in Canada. I don't think it would be a joke that would be meaningful to an American audience. Um, but CBC picked it up because, of course, it's, uh, you know, apparently making fun of Newfoundlanders is sort of a, a national pastime. Hmm. Um, and uh, so they went to they went to Bonavista to see what people thought about the ad. Um, and it has sparked a debate in this fishing town for which the SUV was named. Uh, it's a historic fishing town uh, known for its rugged past. Uh, Mayor Bonavista Mayor Betty Fitzgerald said she was delighted when she heard Nissan would be launching the X-Trail Bonavista, but her heart sank when she saw the commercial. <laughs> I'll bet. When this when this guy came on and started to speak, gosh, there was only a few words that you could understand, Fitzgerald said. I don't want the people of Bonavista to be portrayed in a way that we don't know how to speak. Um, I kind of don't blame her. Yeah, no, I actually thought I it mean, was... I mean, it's pretty... I mean, I think it's funny, but I don't have the cultural context for it. But if somebody just came in and just like started making... I don't know. I mean, Pacific Northwest commercials kind of make fun of their own a little bit. But yeah. if somebody else came came in or for real, like Appalachia or yeah. something like that's, that. That's why I do sort of think, you know, I, I sort of joke they're the Hicks. But like, yeah, we would there would be some sensitivity to that here. Resident David Hiscock said he's not sure whether the ad will lure potential tourists. Um, that's short not, answer. No. no, that's not the point. Um, but the spot left him baffled. I feel I probably got that accent and talk as fast as anyone, but I had a job to understand any word he said. His said. I had a job. I had a job. Um, some residents of Bonavista found the ad hilarious. People are looking for that kind of humor, said pub owner Harvey Templeman. They love Newfoundland dialect. They cling to it. And not to make fun of it, they truly like listening to our accents. Uh, resident Jason Ryan noted that Newfoundland performers such as Buddy, what's his name? And the other fellers, <laughs> which I just needed to get to that, frequently based their humor on local idioms and figures of speech. 
it gives us a true sense of a of of or a somewhat true sense of how we act, how we talk, and how we're distinct. Ryan said we are a distinct society. Everyone knows that countrywide. <laughs> how much do you want to hear some Buddy Watson name? And what is the it? Other and the fellers. other fellers here. It doesn't look like they have anything that is kind of studio produced on YouTube anyway. But I found this. It looks like they're live on stage here. Here's a tune that Ray came up with. It's called My Darling Asleep. And Buddy is going to lead us on his Mount Pearl guitar. They're like the, the, the flight of the Concords of Newfoundland. Oh my god, this is gonna be so bad. <laughs> Just based on like his body language. Get to the jokes. Come on. Make me laugh. Make Come on. Come on, other fellow. Order me to sing along. This is the hottest ticket in Bonavista. Oh my god, is this is this the jokes? Are these the jokes? No, I don't get it. Is it an instrumental? It says that they're a musical comedy. Tr- Here, this, this. Is it just maybe the? They're like, making funny faces. Maybe it's just is the that ridiculous the, expression? Is that, that what the creating? comedy is? Just go in the middle. All right, let's try. Oh, here, I see some singing here. Oh, God, help us! <laughs> What's he doing now? What are you, what are you? Oh God, it's like kind of like the Smothers Brothers, I think. Yeah, he's pulled There's out. It's like a silent guy. He's pulled out a loon. A loony? What does he pull out? A dollar? I don't know. Well, it's a. They call the dollars loonies, and okay. then that's a toonie. Oh, that's a toonie. He gave You're his money to, to the drummer. I really think you have to be in the club to get this. Let's just slowly put a pillow over this. Yeah, absolutely. Slowly. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Bill. It was a it was a real journey. <laughs> Bill, it was Bill. I want you to know that audio is not on you. That no. was my dumb idea, yeah. and I apologize for but, it. But the stuff with the uh, with the uh, Nissan ad was great. Yeah. Um, all right, this is this will be our last thing, and then we'll get out of here. Um, this is from listener Russell, who sent us an email. We did our last show about moving. And we talked about something something that you found, which was uh, the Three Guys Moving Company. Which was a, th- uh, uh, let's like, see here, that was a fake moving company created Optimum by Cable. Optimum Cable, yeah. Except, um, he, I'm not sure where Russell lives, but he says, we have an actual movie, oh, Richland, Washington, so it's here in Washington. We have an actual, actual uh, local company here in Richland, Washington that is called Three Brothers Moving. Every day I drive by the strip mall where their quote-unquote headquarters is located, and parked out by the street is their large moving van. Van, I think it is a secondhand U-Haul truck. Uh, so so far, yeah, it's pretty much exactly yeah. what the joke one is, with their giant logo on the side of it. Uh, I have never used them, nor am, am I even aware of what their reputation is. But they, we do have an actual business with that name, and I have no idea if they are aware of the commercials that we were discussing. Um, I'll bet you there are a lot of Three Brothers movies, moving companies around the country. Probably because when true. I was trying to do that research, it would be I pretty surprising for, yeah. if it weren't. You know, five or whatever, three guys moving, three brothers moving. All of those are kind yeah. of the the new era of it. All right. Um, well, well, thank I, you, Russell. Yeah, thank you very much for sending that in, Russell. I think it's time for us to get out of here. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. Hey, guess who's probably going to be on uh, TVTL next week? Who? The kind of Bolu brothers. Really? I already told the story on TVTL about how nervous oh, that's no. going to make you. See if you can get permission, though. And then we can, because I would love to thank uh, Death yeah. Racist every time this, instead of pretending that we didn't know this wasn't our song. This song is uh, by uh, Das Racist. Das, das, das Racist. I always say it wrong. It's uh, by Das Racist, uh, which is, I, oh, I forget Hurry's brother's name. No, we better learn. You better learn yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I know it. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. But you've always been worried that um, they're going to find 
that we're using it. I was telling Luke about your dilemma, and he suggested <laughs> that we just ask permission as if we haven't been using it this whole time. What if so, they say hey, no, that's though? That's what I said. He said Jesus anyway. Uh, all right. Anyway. Uh, then you we should... don't even have plausible deniability. Oh, one thing I want to share with him, because I do think I'm going to bring this up with them on the podcast, is I got an email. Oh. <gasps> Oh, I don't have my email open right now, so I'm so sorry. I can't remember who this is, but it's a frequent emailer who said that he actually did buy this Das Racist album. I believe album based on us playing it on the show. So that's one. That's one. (laughs) We just need 100,000 more of you to download this song so we can justify it. Legally. Legally, of course. That's the whole point. Oh, hey, speaking of getting things and doing things on iTunes, could you guys leave us a review if you happen to think of it? If you like the show. If you don't like the show, I don't know why you're doing this to yourself. Stop listening. Uh, but if you and like the show... You, and your iTunes bro- password is broken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that would be really nice because we're trying to spread the word a little bit. You leave us a review. Drop us a few stars or something like that. Also, please join our Facebook group. Just look for After These Messages show uh, on Facebook and uh, and ask to be invited in and we will invite you in. And please call us at After These... Uh, please call us at 607-444-5597. Please email us at After These Messages show at gmail um we didn't have any jingles this week folks i didn't get to play my jingle jingle. oh i thought you were just withholding no i am i am fresh out of jingles oh we need a jingle jingle us give us a jingle and jingle if we don't i'll tell you what i have a jingle that i want to share with you guys um next week but i'm not going to share it until we have and i'll sing I'll sing it, but I need I need somebody to. How uh, many should we wait until you do it? What's like, that? How many do we need before you to do it? I need three jingles to All unlock right. my jingle. We need three jingles to unlock Andrew's jingle. From different people. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much again. That number is 607-444-5597. We will talk to you guys next Tuesday. I'm River Phoenix. I'm complex. I'm bottled water. I'm complex. I'm five out of eight computers on a scale of computers. I'm complicated. I'm complex.